Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. So we want to finish this series today, and I call this message, and you have an outline, um, God isn't easy, but God isn't hard either. And so we're going to come back to that first message, because how you see God, listen, this is called your God paradigm. Your God paradigm will determine your attitude toward most of life. Let me say that again, your God paradigm will determine your attitude toward most of life, because some people see God as easy. Anything goes, sin is no big deal to God. Some people see God as hard. He's watching you, waiting for you to cross that line into sin just so he can zap you. I talked to a guy who said, when the big guy in the sky gets you, nothing you can do about it. Yeah, yeah, I I just, you don't know how I hate that. Don't say that to me. Because I'll say something nasty back. I'll try not to be nasty. But when people say the big guy in the sky or something like that or the great golf green in the sky, oh, gee, that that just borders on blasphemy to me. So some people see God as easy. Some people see God as hard. Yeah, I think most of us lean one way or another, and there's a right view of God, and we're going to see that. See, Jesus' disciples, let's begin with God as easy. Jesus' Jesus' disciples thought God was easy. They saw God as easy. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, Peter confesses for all the disciples, he said, you are the Christ. In Matthew's gospel, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. That's Mark 8, 29. And so Jesus says, that's great. Now that this Messiah issue is settled and you know I'm the Messiah sent by God, then let me tell you what Messiahs do. And in verse 31, he says, the Messiah will suffer many things and he's going to be rejected by the religious leaders. He's going to be killed. But in three days, he's going to rise again. And Peter's backing off from this whole thing saying, no, 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 Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. Messiahs don't suffer. Let me tell you about Messiahs, Lord. Messiahs blow their enemies away. And they set up these beautiful kingdoms where everybody's happy. And the Messiah's people don't suffer. The Messiah's people prosper. And Peter had the cross to rebuke Jesus. He rebuked him. Verse 32, Mark 8. Jesus spoke plainly about this, his suffering and death. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And like I said, that's a lot of crust. Uh, you got this crowd of people listening to Peter rebuke Jesus. Messiahs don't do that. <laughs> the Messiah's people are happy people. The Messiah's people prosper in this kingdom, see? And so Jesus had to dispel this wrong attitude that Peter had created. And so he calls the crowd to him now. And he says, what Peter just said, forget it. And here's what discipleship means. If you want to follow the Messiah, verse 34, Mark 8. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Peter says, Messiahs don't do that. (laughs) Messiahs set up happy kingdoms. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I wonder what they thought about then. I wonder what those people were thinking. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Our Lord is saying there's a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to following Jesus, denying yourself for his sake, being willing to lay down your life, not being ashamed to confess that you belong to him and being willing to take the next step and confess he's the only way. 
and, and suffer the consequences if the consequences there be. He's the only way, and without him, you're not saved. Here's something else, too. You know, people who see God as easy, like the old man in the sky thing. Here, the, yeah, how many people see God like that? You know, lots of people do. I think the old man in the sky, he's just kind of old and tired of this God thing, you know, and doesn't really care a whole lot about sin. And when you sin, he kind of looks the other way. And people who think like that, you know what, I, I don't think they can ever really appreciate the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that's how you see God, God is easy because God is holy. And I don't have a handle on what holy really means, like I want to, but it means sin is an offense against God. Sin is such, you know, God is holy, and that means sin is such an offense against God. One sin. I've said this in this whole series, folks, it is how we think. That's your pure paradigm is how you think. One sin, you got to think like this, brings Christ out of heaven. I have my plans for today. You're not included in those plans, so I blow you off. That's a sin. There's consequences. That one sin brought Jesus Christ from heaven to earth. And here's the point. The Father in heaven doesn't just look the other way at your sin. He doesn't. He can't. He's holy. See, he's not easy. People see God as easy. Sin had a price, and he paid that price. And he put all those sins, my stretching of the truth, your stretching of the truth, blowing people off. He put all those sins in his Son and condemned them in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't end there. Jesus Christ accepted that package of your sin and my sin. He accepted, I mean, God handed him the package of your sin and my sin. God the Father handed that package. It was slimy, it was filthy, and it was covered and filled with maggots. And Jesus took it. And some people say, oh, I hear that every Sunday preacher about Jesus suffering and dying. You know, tell me something I can use in life. Tell me how to get along with my husband. Tell me how to get along with my wife. Okay, I'll do that. Do what Jesus said. Deny yourself. Meet his or her deepest needs. Pay a price. Let the relationship cost you. Pour yourself into that person, into him or her. That works. It says it right here. You want to be my disciple? Then deny yourself. And you take up your cross. And you follow me. That's practical. That works. This is the last in a series about attitude, how we see life and how we see people and how we see circumstances. And you know what? I think of what my sin cost God, my Father, my Lord that they were willing to pay that price. I think to myself, why would God do that? I must have been pretty valuable to God that he would do that for me. Because God was willing to pay a great price for you and for me. And no matter what other people may think about you, no matter how much, no matter how much other people may devalue you, and we devalue people all the time, we do, when you don't give them your time, you're just saying you're not important. You're devaluing those people. And that's a self-esteem issue. But when other people devalue you, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, you know, God puts the highest value on yourself. And you got to think of yourself like that. You have to think like that, man. It's paradigms, it's attitude. And when I think like that, see, this is so this is where this is where it's going. I want to obey him. I delight in obeying God. My sacrifice and your sacrifice for him is not a burden. It becomes a joy. This is what I hear, and this gets old. Oh, I got to give this up, or I can't watch this, or I can't see that. That's your paradigm, see? Or I can't sleep with you. I can't do this because we're not married, and you know, I really want to, but we can't do this because I'm a Christian, and what a burden this is. When we understand the value God puts upon us, sacrifice becomes not a negative thing. It becomes a joy. 
And it's all attitude. And so I need to ask you, is obedience to God, making sacrifices, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him, is that a burden for you? Or is that a delight? A delight. When you stop to think, Proverbs 23, as a man thinks, so he is. When you stop to think what you cost God and that God's not easy, um, you're really going to love Jesus Christ and the Father who sent him. Here's something else about, um, about this deal about God isn't easy. Don't you ever wonder, when will the trial stop? Or let's put a better spin on it. Let's call them the challenges. When will the challenges, the trials in my life ever stop? Well, are you a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ? Do you trust Christ alone for your salvation? Then the answer is, if you, if you can answer that question, yes. Then the answer is, they will never stop. They will never stop. If you're not a believer, life is cool, man. God's not going to challenge you. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, they will never, ever, ever stop. Because you're very personal to the Father. And he knows what level you're on. He has plans to take you up and up and up and up a level at a time. And so he challenges you. He gives you something very tough to handle. He says, now I want to see you make it through this. My grace is with you, but let's see how you're going to handle this whole thing. I want to see, I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to put you in a really difficult situation and, and, and you go through this deal. And, and, and as you do, I want you to learn trust. See, God will do that. He'll keep raising the bar. I mean, and you're going to go through that deal. And then, you know, you, you got this level, you jumped that high. And then guess what? God, you know, God will give you a little, he'll give you a little reprieve for a while. But then the next one's coming. Because what's God doing? Raising the bar, giving you a, gra- a brand new challenge. See, and pretty soon you are not just quoting, you are believing Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Pretty soon you get to that point. Or you're not only quoting, you're believing Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And you're not just reciting it, you're living it. That bar will keep going higher and higher until the day you breathe your last. God's not easy, see? It's all attitude. It's your life's paradigm. The New Testament Pharisees were hardliners. They saw the law and they said, that's it. The New Testament Pharisees saw God as hard. He's watching. Here is the line. You cross that line and he points his finger at you. And what comes out of that finger? A zap. (laughs) I saw that. I got you. Zap. See? And that's how the Pharisees thought in Mark chapter 2 and verse 25. Let me set the scene. It is a Saturday. It's the Jewish Sabbath. Jesus and his disciples decide to take a shortcut through a grain field. And these heads of grain were were kind of neat to eat. They were like popcorn. You could walk through these large, large fields of grain and pop the heads off the grain, pop them into your mouth, and they taste good. And let me read to you what's going on here. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 2. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields As his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? I think it's kind of interesting that the Pharisees were watching Jesus. Hardliners watch you. And they're looking for the slightest infraction of their laws. And these Sabbath laws were man-made. They were man's laws, not God's. I mean, God never said you can't snack on the Sabbath. He never said that. God never said you can't pop popcorn into your mouth on the Sabbath. I mean, that's ridiculous. Here's the deal. They saw God as hard, and that's the way. It's because they saw God as hard, that's the way the Pharisees presented God to the people that was there. That was their God paradigm. God is hard. Well, let me tell you something. God's not easy, but he's not hard either. He's merciful. A lot of you folks remember Moses. What did Moses do? He struck the rock. God said, speak to the rock. He struck the rock. 
And God said, that's it, Moses. You are not going to lead the people into the promised land. You know, I got to get into that a little bit, tell you more about that. This is in Numbers 20. In verse 1, it says they were in the desert of Zin, Z-I-N, not Sin, but Zin, Z-I-N. And verse 2 says, now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron, and they quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers died, God sent a plague on, a plague on these people. Then it goes on to say, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? Listen to this. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? has no grain, no figs, no grapevines, no pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. See, they saw what they didn't have, not what they did have. They forgot how God never missed a shot. They never got sick. Their clothes never wore out. They lacked nothing they needed. God always came through, and what did they do? They forgot and they griped. Now, before you go shame on you, we do the same thing. We do the very, very same thing. We forget the way God's always provided, taken us through everything, and we complain, see? So God tells Moses, and I think this is very interesting, God tells Moses, I mean, these people are griping and complaining. You heard it. You know, why did you ever bring us out of Egypt? They're griping and they're complaining because there's no water. And God says to Moses, Moses, there's a rock out there. I want you to go speak to that rock. And when you speak to the rock, the water is going to gush out in such abundance, there's going to be enough water for all their needs for this million and a half people. I just think that, you know, that, that is so precious to me. Because how often do I complain? How often I'm not thankful? And God lovingly and mercifully, despite their complaining, gave them the water they needed. So here's Moses and his brother Aaron. They go out and stand by the rock like God said, and they're standing by that rock. And you got to know something, too. I mean, they're looking at the people, and you got to know something. Moses spoke for God, and the people knew that. Moses supposedly related what God wanted him to relate. And so here's Moses, but, you know, he's looking at the people. He's standing by this rock. God said, speak to the rock. And, and Moses, and this is my paraphrase of Numbers 20.10. Moses says, you rebels, you complainers, why do we always have to patronize you like this? Where is your trust? And he lost it. And Aaron said, amen. And so Moses took his staff. Now, remember, what did God say? He said, speak to the rock. That's all you got to do. So Moses took his staff, and he's so mad, and he takes his staff, and he whacks that rock once, and he whacks that rock again, and the water starts to gush out, but he hears his voice from heaven. That's it, George. Well, I don't think God said that. But he said, he said that's it. He said, you will not lead the people into the promised land. Why? Because he got angry. Yeah. But he misrepresented God. I mean, look what God, I mean, these people complain. There's no excuse for that. But God was merciful. He was ready to bless them with water. And, 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 and Moses represented God as mean and angry and vengeful. And that's not how God wants us to know him first and foremost. I mean, God, God knew these people. He understood a couple of things. Like number one, we have fallen sinful natures, okay? And God knew that. He knew number two, they were tired, man. They were, their legs were hurting from, from walking in that sand for 40 years. I mean, they were in the middle of a hot desert. They had no water and they figured we're going to die out here. And they forgot everything God had given them in the past. 
And that's our sinful, fallen human nature. And like I said, you point the finger at them, you got all the rest of your fingers pointing back at you. But the whole deal here is God was merciful, see? None of those things are right. It's all sin. But God took those sins of those Old Testament people and he projected them into the future and put them in his son, Jesus Christ. You know, God's, Jesus' blood is retroactive. That's Hebrews 9.15. Anyway, Moses, Moses made God, he made him out to be mean, and angry, and vengeful, and out to get you. And for a brief time, Moses was a Pharisee. It was law over mercy. And now here comes your memory work. James chapter 2, verse 13. Four words. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You don't have to look it up. Just remember it. Mercy, your memory work. You got it memorized already. Mercy triumphs over judgment. God wants, sure, God, yes, God is, he's, he's got righteous, holy wrath. And he will deal with sin. And not everybody will go to heaven. And that's an aspect of God we have to deal with. But God wants, wants primarily to be known, first and foremost, as a merciful and gracious God. So now what does all this have to do with attitudes and paradigms? How we see God, at least in part, is going to determine how we deal with people. How you see God will determine how you, how you see people. If you think God's watching, every little thing you do or say, and he is. Every, everything you do and say, God watches, he sees, he knows. But if you think he's doing it to nail you, then you're going to have some of the Pharisee in you, in, in you because that's how they saw God. You see, we bring up rules we don't need to bring up. See, it goes back to this, if God's that guy in the sky, if he's that guy in the sky who's waiting to nail you, and this is all attitude, man, it's how we think you will look for little things to nitpick at. If God is that bad guy in the sky who's waiting to zap you with his finger, you're going to look for things to nitpick at in people. You're going to be all law. And remember, judgment triumph, I mean, mercy triumphs over judgment. And when people nitpick, um, yeah, I got to tell you what I do. I got to tell you how I handle that. I apologize. I do. I apologize. And I really sincerely try and remember not to do the thing that they were nitpicking about. I really try and do that. I don't want to irritate them again. But I got to tell you something. Every time they nitpick, it takes away a smidgen, and that's a Dick Purton word, it takes away a smidgen from the relationship. It whittles, every time someone nitpicks at another person, you lose something. Maybe not a whole lot, but every time you nitpick, it just whittles the relationship down. Because who wants to be, for any length of time, around a Pharisee who's always bringing up the rules? Mercy triumphs over judgment. But when you understand God is merciful, now you got to understand this, and you got to understand you're a sinner too, then you're going to look for the good in people. Then you're not going to look for things to pick at. It all goes back to that. you got to understand who you are. It's a paradigm of yourself. It's a paradigm of yourself, how you see yourself. When you understand that you're a sinner, you look for things to compliment so you can build people up and not dismantle them. And a lot of our words dismantle people, you know? I mean, it's just so precious for me to know that these Jews complained and they bellyached and Moses couldn't handle it. But God wanted to give them the water anyway. They were sinners. They were sinners. They were sinners by nature. But God the Father understood. See, this is so precious to me. I mean, this doesn't excuse or condone my sin. But when I sin, like complain or whatever the sin may be, God the Father knows my fallen human nature. One of the Psalms says he knows that we are but dust. He knows my fall, my fallen human nature. He understood what sin has done to me. And so his remedy for all this is to send his son. And when they, the Jews, and we least deserved it, God still acted mercifully. 
And when you think like that, you're going to look for the good. I mean, you're going to point out the good. You're going to be well aware. You're going to be so aware of Luke 6, 41. You know, verse 41, Luke, Luke 6. When you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye, I think about that. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your, out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own? Man, I deal with that. I see a speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye, and there's a plank in my own. Paradigms. i got to change my paradigm of myself and see myself as a sinner, standing in the need of grace. And I, I need to look at how God chooses to be merciful to me despite my sin. And I need to understand this person. I need to look for planks in my own eye first. And then when I address sin, see, when I address the sin in people, when I address the sin in people, this is so important. i got to tell you, folks, hear me. You get a whole lot further with sugar than you do with salt. Now, this series is just about over. This is the last thought and the most important thought. And I honestly mean this when I say, if you remember nothing else from this series, remember this. And this has to do with this legalistic Pharisee thing. God is hard thing. The law, here, here it comes, the law can't save anybody. The law cannot save anybody, and a lot of people think that way. Let me put it this way, breaking your neck so you can be better and better and better and earn God's favor cannot and will not save anybody for heaven. i got to repeat that. Breaking your neck so you can be better and better and better and earn God's favor cannot and will not save anybody for heaven. All that kind of thinking is going to do, it's going to frustrate you. You have to change your God paradigm. you got to change. When you trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation, you became God's child forever. And I know this is hard to get a handle on. This is hard to grasp this. But you don't have to do, when you're his by faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to do anything to please him. Doesn't mean you don't do good works. That, that, that's a long doctrinal issue. But just get a hold of this as best as you can. When you are his by faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to do anything to please him because Jesus Christ did it all. And think like this, and this is doctrine. Your faith in Jesus Christ unites you with Jesus Christ. In a sense, you become one with him. God the Father sees his sinless, perfect son and just loves him totally and completely. And because you're united with the son, Jesus Christ, that's how God sees you. I mean, he, there's no way God can, you know, you don't have to do anything. Christ did it all. You got to know this. Your praying can't save you. And don't take that the wrong way. Do it. But can't save you. Your Bible can't save you. Your Bible study can't save you. Your church can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. And if you believe in him, you are loved by God the Father in heaven, no matter what. And that is called, in simple terms, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the only thing that can save people. It's Romans 1.17. Here's something else to memorize. This is so good. Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? The power of God unto salvation. Nothing can offer you salvation. Nothing can offer you any kind of comfort at all. Nothing can offer you any kind of peace. Nothing can offer you any kind of hope. Nothing can offer you that except the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the gospel. And I can honestly say, when you have Christ, you have it all. 
When you have Christ, you have everything. But for anybody to be saved, you have to offer Jesus Christ, and then they have to embrace him. So today we've seen God isn't easy. The Father doesn't wink at sin. One sin brought Jesus Christ from heaven. There was a cost to sin, a price to pay, and God paid that price to save you and me. And there is a cost to being his disciple. There's a cost to discipleship. Take up your cross and follow me. Be willing to lose your life for my sake. We've seen how God won't let you off easy. He keeps raising that bar and challenging you. See life that way. That's a paradigm for life. Then we saw that God's not hard either. He's merciful. Moses was hard and legalistic with the complaining Jews. But God in mercy gave them the water they needed. God disciplines. Yes, he does. Of course he does. But discipline is done in love. And if we see God as legalistic and hard, we're going to be legalistic and hard and pharisaical. We've seen when we see ourselves as sinners and what God forgives in us, our whole approach to people is going to be different. It's attitude. It's a paradigm. It's how we see God. And I pray that you've taken something home from this whole series. I don't expect people to take everything home. But I pray that some, some truth has gotten through to you. And maybe a good thing to do is to take the outline or the outlines and use them as Bible studies and go back over the, go back over the outlines. and just. I just pray that something, something got through and blessed your life. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.